Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Falcha, and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you all about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my far and away co-host, Robert Cross. Hello. How's <laughs> everyone? Rob here. Uh, I suppose we are far and away from each other. All the way. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, we're. I think we're actually barely inside our five kilometer circle. I'm not too sure about that. I'd say we're pretty close to it. OK, so first off, what what Rob is referencing to is that in Ireland at the minute we are in lockdown and we are allowed to go for like exercise walks and stuff up to five kilometers away. I don't think we're within each other's own circle, but like our circles intersect enough where we could. Yeah, we could, we could probably meet in like the city centre for like a walk, a socially distant walk if we so. Yeah, we're just terribly um, lazy. So we do podcasts yeah. over the Internet instead because it requires less walking. Uh, it, it, exactly. Uh, well, we we're not allowed to have visitors over to your house anymore, as we said before. So we we couldn't do it in person, even if we wanted to. Unless yeah. it was like out, out in the field. Yeah. So I think we'll uh, have to start the podcast with the sad, sad news of the passing of Sean Connery. That's right. He passed away earlier this morning, from what we can tell, at the age of the ripe old age of ninety. Um, he had certainly had a very long and good life. It's fair to say, too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sad hearing about it. Just considering I was uh, practically dressed up as him last night for our Halloween uh, Facebook call. Yeah, we, we we did like a little uh, virtual Halloween thing dressed up. I was um, dressed up as an American, and uh, Stu was dressed up as James Bond. So we had a we had a, a nice night, but uh, it it is sad to hear. I mean, um, I suppose Sean Connery was a huge star. I mean, in the very first podcast, Jeremy uh, yeah. who obviously featured in there as well. But most people know from James Bond uh, in seven different appearances, including Never Say Never Again, one everyone forgets. And, you know, Indiana Jones as well, playing Henry Jones Sr., fantastic little role there. And his very last film, which I, I remember somewhat fondly, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, had a lot of potential out of it. Uh, I think you're one of the minority in that one. Oh, I think I am. But I mean, we can't forget his, his one major blunder being that he was almost cast as Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, but did not understand what was going on. And uh, so turned it down I, I you know i think ian mckellen probably was a better choice sure but it would have been a, a fascinating parallel universe to our own to see sean connery doing it right uh let's get off such depressing topics and uh jump right into uniquely irish which uh, i was actually struggling with this week just to kind of pick out something to uh discuss and uh so i fell back on something that will make rob laugh so this week we're going to do uh irish bread <laughs> Of course you pick that. <laughs> so for people who don't know, uh, my family ha- have been bakers for at least 200 years. Uh, unfortunately, in the last, well, just before the last recession, we kind of got out of the business, which was uh, sad, obviously, from a tradition standpoint, but very good for us in the long run, because it's uh, not good when you're up against the likes of Brennan's and Pat the Bakers. What can you do? But these are the more kind of unique breads that you wouldn't really find anywhere else not your normal loaf that you buy down the shop yeah so yeah of course too i mean it was um i, I know where we're from in limerick city or your family was well known for having a bakery um you know in the city center not too far from where some of my mother's family was from so it was early close, close by and all that and yeah it was a shame when it when it uh shut down i know we, we've discussed before that there's a few people of a certain age who, who fondly remember the the mcnamara bread uh, in limerick because of its uh like you said, a very kind of unique character. It was kind of very, was it the, the kind of black bread? I, I know a few older yeah, people it, were very fond of. It was an interesting thing where a lot of the older people wanted the bread that had been baked on like the top of the oven so that it was like the, the dark, really almost blackened, crusty bread. Yeah, funny things like that. So the first bread, uh, which we kind of discussed last week, is uh, Barnbrack. Yeah. I just I just pulled up a list here from the National Bread Week .ie, so proper Irish publication. So yeah, Barnbrack, it's kind of uh, sweet dough with sultanas and raisins, 
and obviously a ring in there as well. Yeah, we in our last kind of we're, we're not doing the Halloween episodes anymore. The way our recording is on like Halloween, so yeah, maybe something spooky will happen <laughs> as it should. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's nice. I'm not a much of a fan of sultanas and raisins, so uh, it wouldn't be my first choice. It's nice, and obviously, it's fun if you're the one who gets the ring at the end of it. Yeah, we talked about it a bit last week, but it's it's fine. It's really only a like Halloween thing in Ireland. You wouldn't really have it the rest of the year. I never really a big fan of it when I was younger. Um, I, I'd have like a little bit, maybe a cup of tea, but I, I wouldn't have more than a slice. I'm not really a fan of it myself either. Yeah, possibly toasted. I think is better than just a oh, slice. Toasted, actually. Oh, it, it's. I think it kind of hmm. not caramelizes. Yes, yeah, like it's not. It doesn't caramelize per se, but you know, like it, it kind of gives a, a different flavor to the raisins and sultanas in it. Ooh. All right, the next one, which uh, no one should be surprised by, is potato farrels. <laughs> so, surprise, surprise, the Irish found a way to put potatoes into bread. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me in the least, too, at all. Um, we, we sure like our potatoes quite a lot. Yeah, so potato farrels, they're kind of, just reading through here, rather than using kind of wheat flour, they use potatoes and uh so that could, they make like kind of almost a flatbread really uh there's no leavening to it and uh quite nice i was a, a fiend for yeah, them I've had, I, I've had them like before I, I didn't really have it so much growing up it's something i actually came to a lot later in life but uh, no quite nice it's it, i actually do have a preference for like it toasted like with the fry up sometimes oh nice it yeah, yeah. Quite, it, it can it can actually be quite nice with that um would recommend you know slightly kind of runny egg on kind of top of Ooh, it make me hungry uh, now Rob. can be can be quite can be quite nice or like a little bit of brown sauce then again we we disagree quite strongly on that. <laughs> right the next one then is box tea which i don't think i'd heard of but uh oh no that no no i've had that like i mean it, it's sort of um almost like a potato kind of pancake thing isn't it yeah so once again the irish and our potatoes we have made pancakes out of them like i would have this in a fry up like as well i i, I would kind of say it was different from like the the, the, the flour kind of thing i it's more kind of um i wouldn't really even call it a bread myself i, I would have said it's really more kind of almost like a pancake i mean i suppose it I mean, you're the bread expert here, so I'll pass to you. But I wouldn't have classified it as bread myself. It's really more kind of like a potato, maybe a, I wouldn't say waffle, really. It's, it's much thinner than that. But like, it's, you know, it, it is kind of like made on a pan generally in my house. Maybe like squeezed down a bit, maybe has a little bit of seasoning in it. Um, but um, I, I wouldn't really classify it as a bread myself. But I suppose maybe it well, is. No, it, it's not really my opinion. It's the opinion of uh, the National Bread Week, .ie, so... Well, they, they'll know. I mean, they, that's probably that Pat the Baker fella again, Jerry, but he doesn't know what he's on about. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored by Britons. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Uh, the next one is one that everyone should be uh, familiar with, which is Irish soda bread. Yep. So uh, it's kind of... It'd be like if you got like kind of a soup in Ireland or something like that, or yeah, you know, it's like the kind of brown bread that we served with it. Yeah, and that it, it, it's obviously brown bread, like wholemeal uh, bread soda and stuff in there. Uh, with buttermilk instead of normal milk, which makes it taste delicious. Um, There's a lovely taste to it. And it, it, it generally, like, it's, if you were out in a restaurant, you generally always get served this with soup or, or kind of broth or chowder, and anything really like that, you'd, you'd get that in this country, with like maybe some of the, the, the dairy gold kind of butter with it as well. Yeah, and uh, It's just kind of standard. It is very nice. But the, the Irish variant on normal soda bread being that it's baked in like uh, in a rounded shape, with like a, an X cut in before yeah, baking. Be. And so it kind of gives this lovely look to it. I, I've spotted it in one or two of the movies. I remember specifically in Dancing at Lunasa, I think they baked one just kind of in the background. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely great. Um, yeah, it's very nice. I, I'm always a fan of it. Um, with, uh, we normally have it at Christmas time. Well, before, not probably not this year, but uh, certainly beforehand, like, you know, we'd, we'd always have my grandmother over and then use my mother's sister and their kids and we'd, we'd normally have a couple of drinks and a couple of like appetizer stuff before before we had the, the, the main deal like you know the, the turkey and the ham and all that we'd always end up having lovely homemade soda bread with like uh, homemade butter and then maybe some smoked salmon on top of it a little bit of pepper beautiful yeah and a selection of cheeses like it's more upmarket kind of version of it but i love a bit of soda bread with uh, smoked salmon on top of it and I was like with a nice, nice thick vegetable Irish soup as well, a bit of butter on top of that, and then you take it out, the butter is melted, the oh. soup is inside of it. 
gorgeous. I shouldn't have picked this when it's so late in the day and it's almost dinner time, but here we are. Uh, and then you, <laughs> and then you have the variant where they have the uh, the fruit soda bread, which is just uh, with raisins added as well. Never really a fan of that myself. I I, I just think like it's um yeah I, I just feel like it's it's fine, but it's it's just like I'd rather just have the bread with like you know something else. I I, I wouldn't really want it sweet. I suppose like it is kind of sweet enough in 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 a sense, but it's just not really. You know, I, I don't, and I wouldn't be a fan of that myself. Yeah, as I said, not much, not, not much for raisins and sultanas. But look, it's a, it's lovely bread, especially if you're no, if is. you're doing like if you, the Irish didn't have fucking scones or whatever, you could make a, a fruit soda bread instead. Yeah, normally when my, my mother and like my grandmother would, well, they'd all bake uh, a lot, a lot as well, and they normally would kind of make scones and stuff when they were making that kind of bread. But like a, a thing of soda, homemade soda bread, and they might have a barren bracker some scones and something with it so it's always like comes together really from the same things with slight variations on it yeah uh the next bread then we have is the turnover have you ever seen any of that rob or do you are you familiar i think like like an apple turnover is what i'd be thinking i'm not sure if that's Uh, the same thing it's also known as a a grinder but it's it's basically rather than don't start (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that's a special type of bread stew <laughs> oh god so Don't they have an app for that? so rather than <laughs> rather than baking the bread in like its own tin so that you get the the proper shape of a normal loaf they have one elongated tin and so the the dough goes in like in single pieces but right next to each other so when it bakes it kind of bakes together with with a can't say I'm familiar with this now. Each individual section of dough goes in. Once it's baked, then you can you can tear off one loaf from it. Okay, I'm actually googling this now just because I I really don't know what yeah, this um, is. I mean, maybe if I see it, I know it, it, it's a, it's an odd enough thing because you'd probably be slicing it lengthways rather than the traditional way. Oh, I, I kind of see it now. Actually, yeah, it's like yeah, I've seen it in a shop. I don't think I'd ever really had it myself, but it's. It looks fine. I mean, I think yeah, it looks like kind of white bread mostly from what I can kind of see here. I yeah. mean, you could probably, I, I think like you could definitely get that and like kind of cut a slice out of it, like kind of thick slice, and like definitely put like a rasher on it or something like that. To be nice. Yeah, you just do it lengthways and then kind of slice it in half, then and fold over. But uh, it's lovely bread. It like, it's like very. It does look like it'd be nice to make French toast with it. Probably be like it looks like it's thick enough to be able to. Yeah. Kind of take that and. Uh, like you can see, like depending on the picture you're looking at, you see, like because you have the the actual bread exposed on that side, it's like really uh, almost flaky. You can like tear off a little strip of it, and it's just lovely and soft. It, it's a really nice loaf of bread. I mean, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> then we probably have one of the the more famous ones from a specific region, being the blah. Oh yeah, well, down in Waterford. Just kind of more of a. I want I wanted to say crusty roll, but they're kind of soft rolls, really. Yeah, no, I, I, it's got like a little bit of crust on the outside, but like it's not crusty. It's it's very very kind of soft, very doughy inside. It's just a very light crust on the outside. Uh, like this is a, a Waterford thing, very much so. Like you know, Blas down there, and you know, Waterford people are are their own people. You know what they call snails? What so. <sighs> oh, do I want to know? Shell kabukis. Uh, okay, that's something. Yeah, we might have to do a it's, whole podcast it, just on Waterford and their weird stuff. Uh, God, I, 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 <laughs> the funny, the funny thing is, I actually should be down there at the moment if there wasn't a lot. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not necessarily for my own free will. Uh, I'll tell you, Waterford is like the the, 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 the other city in Ireland in, in Munster. Um, it's certainly a city. So the plan, anyway, it's basically just a. a soft bread roll but it's actually got protected geographical status oh it does so yeah. blast can only be made in yeah, but like um yorkshire yorkshire pudding and yeah. like that kind of thing which is nice that something we can hold on here unfortunate that you couldn't ship it anywhere else because it would probably be moldy by the time you got anywhere with it yeah i think it's like with a lot of these things you need to really kind of get it fresh like i i have had the pleasure of actually being in waterford and having one fresh and i gotta say it's very very nice when you get it like still warm and about at the, the bakery or whatever but i wouldn't actually go out and seek them you know it, 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 it's not really a thing where we're from so i, I suppose we didn't grow up with them. <laughs> i think that's about the end for uniquely irish so we'll jump right into the movie far and away from 1992 so i'll just read out a little plot synopsis i found on imdb just to get everyone up to speed a young man leaves ireland with his landlord's daughter after some tr- trouble with her father and they dream of owning land 
at the big giveaway in Oklahoma around 1893. When they get to the new land, they find jobs and begin saving money. The man becomes a local bare hands boxer and rides in glory until he's beaten. Then his employer steals all of the couple's money and they must fight off starvation in the winter and try to keep their dream of owning land alive. Meanwhile, the woman's parents find out where she's gone and have come to the US to find her and take her back. Yeah, in a nutshell, that's it. We're, we're not going to do the full thing of it this week, uh, but... Because it's a fucking very long movie. Well, it's not. It's like two hours 20. It's like that that long in kind of a long sense but it felt longer yeah it, um, it it feels very long because it's slow um i'll just run down through i was surprised to see that the director actually was ron howard yeah and did you see he did the music as well i didn't see anything about the music now uh john williams oh shit yeah um interesting like enya did some of the music on it as well the chieftains and famous irish track that did too uh, enya's song was actually nominated for a coach and Raz razzie oh god song I think she won, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it was written by Ron Howard and Bob Dahlman. Uh, I would have expected this movie to have been written during a writer strike, considering uh, how poor it was. But I think, like, we'll just, we'll just get it out of the way. Like, you know, I had seen this before, as I mentioned. I, just, I remember, like, Tom Cruise had a bad accent. We'll, we'll kind of talk about the accents up in a sec. But yeah, this was worse than I remembered. Like, I was kind of talking to Steve a little bit before we started here about our kind of general opinions. And I think, spoilers. Neither of us liked this film a lot. Um, the thing I kind of hit on, I, I, I think I said this during our Rawhead Rex review. Um, basically, you know, I said, I like films that are so bad they're good. Because, you know, it, it goes around in that sense. But I said in that film, this can't be so bad it's good because it's not a bad film, it's a terrible film. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a similar thing in that it's not a bad film, it's a mediocre film. It's just kind of a middle-of-the-road boring film. And I said to Stu, I, the worst thing I think a film can be is probably boring and mediocre because it's never going to be good. It's never going to be bad. It's just kind of in the middle. And this was an absolute nightmare to watch. Um, this was by far the worst film I've had to sit down and watch in, in terms of this took me about four hours. Um, it was a nightmare. See, the thing about it is that I believe it probably had the potential to be a better film. But, I think but so they would have needed to trim most of that extra hour off. I think the best parts of it were probably in Ireland and then like the very start of America. Like the last kind of bit where, you know, it does well like where he, um, Joseph brings Shannon back to her family when they're in Boston. Yeah. Pretty much from that point on, it just gets awful. Like if you'd kind of wrapped up the film within sort of 10 minutes there, I would have said, actually, it's not a bad film. I, I would have said, I'd probably, you know, I probably would have given like a six, seven out of 10, maybe if I was feeling generous. But uh, like all the, the extra bits then where they finally go off to Oklahoma and all that. And like he's working on the, the trains. He runs off and gets there and they meet him at the end and he dies at the end. Sorry, spoilers. But sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sorry. But like, just don't watch this film. So it doesn't matter if, you, if I spoil it. Um, I felt that's all unnecessary. I felt it could, like you could have done Every and that's like about the last Jesus 40 50 minutes. Like, you could have wrapped that up in about 10, and the film would have been like an hour and hour and a half, would have been much easier to watch. Kept in a lot of the nice character development things here and whatever, but this was a slog to get through. And that last hour was a nightmare. But like, the, the annoying part is that like the, the locations, uh, the, the, the set designs, and all of that were fantastic. It was just so let down by oh, the they script. Were. And some of the acting, but mostly the script. Some of the acting. We'll talk about like the Irish accents and things like that there. I am going to praise a couple of things. Firstly, I'll actually say that uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, regardless of their accents and their portrayal of Irish people of different classes and all that, they actually have very good chemistry on screen. Well, I believe they were married at the time. They were married at this point, yeah. But I mean, it's a fair point that they do have good chemistry on screen. And I think that's actually a nice part about the film is it's sort of believable that they're kind of slowly falling for each other and all that. They actually do portray it quite well. And I actually think the two of them being cast in this is was actually a good thing. Um, I think, you know, I, I really can't think of any of two other people be able to cast and get kind of a better performance in, in that regard. Not necessarily the characters they were playing, but just the chemistry was very, very good on screen. Um, I also said Colin Meany's character in it, the boxing promoter, he was just really good. Um, he's he's just kind of he's underrated at playing the bad guy, I think. Um, 
But I think he was he was just gave a very strong performance in this film. Um, Robert Prosky, who played um, the the Shannon's father, the, the British kind of um, Anglo-Irish really kind of lord, he was like who held the lands and everything. Sort of slight sympathetic character. I felt he did a really good job playing him. He comes like he's able to kind of be like warm. He plays a very very effective drunk. I feel he's just a very kind of commanding screen presence. And I'll actually say like um because I I recognize him straight away. He's like the grandfather in American um, and Thirty Fourth Street the remake. And he's he's like the boss in um uh Mrs Doubtfire as well. Uh, so I I, I thought he's he's, oh, he's, yeah. a, he's a fantastic actor. He's a fantastic kind of character actor, but the thing is, he's actually American. He's Polish American, and I thought he did a much better Irish accent than nearly anyone else in the film that wasn't Irish. Like he did, like genuinely, I thought he did a very good job of the accent, and he's got no Irish in him whatsoever. And he genuinely sounded better than Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, who probably would have had more accents training in this film than he probably did but I just think he did a fantastic job in this film would really praise his work in it and particularly his accent work was outstanding yeah I mean like the the strange thing about it is that I think we're all probably familiar with Tom Cruise and his uh level of commitment to doing certain things like uh I'm blanking on the name of the movie but I know in one movie where he's uh making cocktails and stuff like he practiced the state of the film is called cocktail all right great uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, a film where he makes cocktails what's it called again uh, drinks man that's the one <laughs> well you know Rob we were watching that movie where they go far and away I, I can't remember the name of it now but uh, something like uh, anyway I, I, in cocktail I know that he learned how to make all of those cocktails like I, I mm. think he's either right or left handed I'm not sure but like he learned how to do it with both hands like everything that he did there was real there wasn't like someone who came in and did it for him and they just plastered his head on top. So like he, he really gets yeah. into doing certain things, but for some reason didn't really get into doing the Irish accent. I, I, I kind of wonder, I mean, I, I'd have to say two things about it. So firstly, it, it's not a great accent. Like he's, it, it really kind of shows as someone who isn't doing a fantastic job at it. I will say like in like the, 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 I think the, the main one is just like where he, he throws her in the bath, Shannon in the bath and we'll find Bosco's. What about me? Hat? I think that's just that was bit just gonna stuck out to me as being that's really shit. Um, yeah, it was. It I think was it's either he didn't have a, the. Uh, I feel it's either he he didn't have enough time to prepare for that maybe with the accent work or which I don't really buy because I think he probably would have. He's a good actor, like he does put a lot of time into. So I feel he probably would have, but I think it might have been that he thought he could do a better job and maybe didn't need to. So a certain bit of arrogance, but yeah, he did not do a good Irish accent. I feel his kind of characterizations of it, if you know what I mean, his kind of physical sort of things oddly work in a way. But you know, yeah, and then with Nicole Kidman, a major criticism that I have is that they gave her kind of a posh Irish accent where she would have definitely spoken with a more English accent. It's a, it's a, see, this is an interesting thing about it as well in that I mean, we're, we're going to kind of talk about the wider impacts of what's happening in this film a little bit but in effect uh, her father is like a landlord and he's like the big house and everything else and you know they're effectively part of like the ascendancy what they're called the Anglo-Irish ascendancy so they would be Irish in a sense, but they'd be working for the British, working for the Crown, collecting the rents, and they'd own the land and all that. So I think it's that her father isn't like actually a British landlord. He's kind of there on behalf of like maybe a you know like a lord or something like that, and kind of collecting the stuff on his behalf and sending it back to his place in England. So it's more than likely she would have spoken with more of an English accent in my view. I think you're correct, but I don't think it's strictly, maybe not strictly wrong to have it, her accent the way it was. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where I, I think either one would probably be correct, but I think they were trying to make her more kind of Irish. Um, yeah. See, the thing is in, uh, in, in from, a sense, from a bit yeah. of trivia that I, I read, um, they had initially planned on her having the English accent, but they thought yeah. that it would be too confusing for people when watching it, so they changed it. I think to... that's the problem. Yeah, because I mean, like I would say, like Nicole Kidman didn't do as bad a job as Tom Cruise at the accent. I felt it was definitely felt down in a couple of places, but you know, for someone who's Australian, like you yeah. know, to to do that is, it, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I think she definitely tried very hard, and I think 
it shows. And like, if you look at some of her other accent work in films, like where she's playing an American, you wouldn't know she's Australian or things like that. Yeah, did really, really good job. I mean, I have to say, she's able to do accents quite well. And this was a bit earlier in her career. So I, I'm willing to be a bit nicer to her about it. I, th- I think she did. A oh, yeah, she definitely job. did a better job than Tom Cruise. I mean, there's one thing about Tom Cruise, yes, she did. Tom Cruise's performance that uh, I just I, was unforgivable. And I think it, it really let the film down. And uh, I think you'll agree with me as well, Rob, that uh, it was so unbelievable to think that someone who looks like Tom Cruise could be Irish. There's not a man on the planet that's from this country that, yeah. who looks uh, as good as Tom Cruise. And that was that just pulled me out of the movie entirely. You know, as well, it's just like when you meet his two brothers at the start of the film as well, and they're two big pudding heads on them, like, you yeah. know, and then it's, there's him. And it's just like, come on, give me give me something to go with here. Like, are you, are you saying like his father's got very lucky with him? <laughs> his mother must be gorgeous. There's something like that or a different <laughs> mother altogether. Did you actually notice who his father was? Uh, I did, but I, it's gone out of my head now. And uh, Niles O'Bean, the actor. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Rev- Reverend Coots in Rawhead Rex. Yeah, so we we have our little cinematic universe going. Well, I mean, Colomini, we, we've also had like him in other films at the Yank, of course. Um, I don't think we've had Tom Cruise and anything else we've done. Yeah, not yet. Um, and we also had uh, uh, Donald Gleeson slip in there at one point. Oh, does he? Uh, I think oh, he's the... Is he the kid, is he, or something? No, no, he's the police officer. Or no, Brendan Gleeson. Sorry, Jesus, what am I saying? Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, because I think like, Donald yeah. Gleeson would have been like very, very young when this came out. <laughs> I'm uh, mixing my Gleesons, but uh, yeah, Brendan Gleeson, oh, yeah. he's the police officer. Is, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I could have sworn, now I might be wrong in this. I thought I saw Pauline McLean, like this is Doyle from Father Ted, as one of the burlesque dancers, or at least someone that looked very like her for a second. I, I didn't say, I, I, I'm not going through the full credits, like, but I, I just, it just looked like her very briefly. I could not say. Uh, <laughs> That would be a surprise. I'll see if I yeah. can find out. Um, so yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the um, where they shot this movie because it's in Ireland anyway. Is some of the most beautiful shots. It says the west of it says the the west of Ireland. It looks beautiful. So uh, I, I looked say. it up. So the coastal scenes were actually uh, on the, the Dinkle Peninsula. I knew that was Kerry. Yeah, I you know there's like the, the cliffs of Deneen. I'm pretty sure there at one point as well. It does look familiar to me. Yeah, so absolutely beautiful. Apparently they like. They built the the town there. No, I remember hearing about this. Yeah, and it's I, I gotta say, like you know, we, we thought that the sets are great. That location is, I in my view, very realistic for like kind of a a little kind of like tenement village in Ireland around. Yeah, that especially it's supposed to be. That's brilliant. Yeah, I kind of got the impression it was kind of supposed to be more kind of like up around there. Um, well, I gotta say, it, it looked like it's accurate. It's like got the stones there and everything else, the kind of dark kind of feel inside. It's a myself and Steve like to have been to some places like recreate these and I gotta say it was exactly spot on it was this was really 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 good even like Tom Cruise's house that has like the little house with the little farming area right on the the, the headland brilliant you know yeah and Sarah was there something like knocking on your side sorry there's fireworks going off constantly oh right Jesus <laughs> what's he knocking why hasn't he stopped it uh that's fine I suppose we'll just have to go on and hope that we can edit around it yeah it's like I said, it's Halloween night here and uh, to our foreign listeners and we like setting up fireworks on Halloween. Even though they're illegal. Uh, but... you ask, they are illegal and there's like a big operation to stop them. But, you know, yeah. there's probably going to be a lot of that on today. So it's, we're doing what we can. Yeah. So then the other big location is, is um, Kill Rotary House and Gardens, which is actually near Bray. Uh, so just south of Dublin. Yeah, which I, was did. The I did. Landlord's recognize this. home. Um, yeah, which is lovely. Oh yeah, beautiful um, building. Nice, nice space. Really, really, really is. I love the whole, he's like hiding in the stables and get like great views, like the, the front of the house and everything else inside of it. It's really, really nice. And, you know, kind of talks about a lot of these big houses were built across the country um, by, you know, British landlords, lords and ladies and all that. And it, as was portrayed in the film, a lot of them were actually destroyed um, late, later on. Yeah. It was mostly during this, it was mostly during the War of Independence and Civil War, a lot of these the other big houses were, were burnt. There was like a campaign by the IRA to, to actually do it. So like even like Curry Chase House out in County and everything was and still would know it's really just the uh, you know, there's no roof on it anymore. It's completely kind of overgrown now, but the outside kind of remain and the other places as well. But thankfully from like a historical perspective, some of them do still exist, although a lot of them have like been sold to become like hotels or um colleges or things like that or, or even our national parliament building uh the <laughs> leinster house so 
whatever go. we can reuse, I suppose. Exactly. Um, yeah, but it, it is interesting. And I mean, we, we could talk a little bit about the whole uh, tenants and the, the landlord thing now, if you want. Uh, just before that, you, you mentioned uh, Niall Tobin being the uh, the father. Did you notice the the camera movement that they did for his death? Was it where it like, comes out of the, the house and through the, the roof? Yeah, I found that very strange and then it starts to spin and i actually felt a little bit dizzy i'm actually going to notice that it, it was um that was a really weird choice i mean it's nice that they it's clearly like a patch cottage but it was just um an odd choice and the spinning thing at the end it reminds me of everyone did like the stargate origins thing and every episode would end oh with yeah, yeah spinning thing it's exactly like that yeah it just it gave me like a little weird feeling just that the spinning it was like oh god i'm about to get sick or something yeah it was all right it was it's fine that was like the death scene like where he comes back to life for a little bit and then that's like echoed then at the end of the film yeah yeah they do it again with with joseph does the same thing kind of yeah um yeah. It was just little weird things like that that kind of pulled you out of the movie, I suppose. I mean, I was probably the, the camera moving up was like his soul leaving his body or whatever, but it just, it was really odd. Yeah, because the Gandhi is a good actor, as I said before, and like we've seen him as Reverend Coots in the Rawhide Rex, but I felt underused in this film. But I'm glad they cast someone of his statue uh, to play Tom's father. Like, I, I think it was a good casting choice in that regard. Yeah, even if he only uh, gets a building dropped on him somehow. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing about it as well. Like, he's not a young man and he's still working away. I mean, he's not exactly inaccurate for the way things were at the time, but uh, still, Jesus. Yeah. All right, so go ahead into... Yeah, well, it's just an interesting thing I I, I I felt it's worth kind of talking about because so we, we see the uh, the Donnelly family are like living on a plot of land. It's not their own land. Like, it's like kind of like the father's dying wish. I always wanted to own land. And as I kind of said there... Um, Shannon's family they're like the, the agents that they they own the land they're the landlords they're leasing out the, the things like obviously then after Joseph's father dies they his agents go and they burn his house down yeah um because of that so at the time there was what was going on was called the land war in Ireland and it was you know really one of the movements that we had about kind of gaining independence but it wasn't about um like having an uprising like we've done in you know we would go on to do in 1916 or we had done in like 1798 with the United Irishmen or um, Robert Emmett's Rebellion or all that. This was much more a case of, okay, the British landlords own this land and they're renting it to like tenement farmers to to work there and they pay their rent or they pay their crops and everything else. But they've been living there for generations. They want like, you know, people would be inheriting their parents' land in a sense, but they'd still be renting it off a landlord and their generations and so on and so forth. And, it was really about the time of the famine where this started to cause an issue because you know the potato crop fails. Suddenly, these farmers aren't able to earn an income anymore, and they can't. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, back the landlords. I apologize again for the fireworks. I'm not really going to do anything about it, so we'll, 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 we'll carry on. I'll edit them out, Rob, and then uh, you'll seem like a lunatic. <laughs> okay, so it, it became an issue then around 1845 when, you know, our potato crop has failed. These farmers can't pay the landlord back for their land, so they were getting evicted when there was no food and people were starving and a lot of people emigrated. So that was kind of uh, a real movement that turned people against the landlords, in particular because like Robert Peel, who was the prime minister at the time, didn't do anything really to help the Irish people. He sent us corn, which we couldn't eat, uh, Peel's brimstone, as, as it was known. But 
you know, it, it just fostered something that kind of kept going. And like the Land League was set up, which was about stopping these illegal evictions as, as they saw it. Um, like the or, or you see RIC, Royal Irish Constabulary, we've got the other films like Land League would turn up and they really batter down the door and they'd evict the tenants and they'd they would burn the house in like a lot of circumstances because like these were like attached cottages with the roof and board and the rocks and they'd destroy that so they couldn't come back because you know the landlord would rent it out to someone else is kind of the way but what they kind of ended up doing was they went on like a, a rent strike and really went against it and then landlords would be trying to throw these people in jail and evict them off their, their houses and then it would get to quite a difficult position where some of the landlords that were like very acid rich you know had all the land and everything else and big houses but they didn't have a lot of money coming in and suddenly with this rent strike you know it, it kind of did cause issues so it is kind of addressed at the start of the film where like the landlords are getting a very hostile reception when he comes into the, the little village and they're kind of attacking him and saying it won't happen. It is fair to say that that did happen to a certain extent, although it was put down a lot. Um, but the the kind of outcomes of that really were felt up until even when we became an independent country, we were still paying um, the British for a lot of these things because they kept their land here and things. It would be interesting to think of that having the economic war in the 1930s uh, where we basically stopped paying them three million pounds a year, which in the 1930s was, you know, for a god-awful amount of money. We'd be, we'd be talking like closer to, you know, 100 million, I'd say, today in euros. But uh, eventually we, we got that sorted right before World War II, which was probably, you know, for the best. Yeah. But uh, that, that, I mean, it's something we learned a little bit about in school, I remember. But it, 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 then this is grossly simplified. But it, it's an interesting thing because it, it's kind of a part of Irish history that isn't really addressed too much. Everyone's always about like our rebellions in 1916 and like fighting the Brits that way. But this was an important thing because it dealt with just the way we live outside of large cities. Uh, you know, the idea of having your own land that you can earn money off of without having to pay it to a landlord. In fact, you can be evicted at their whim. So it, I think it is an important aspect in terms of like the way Ireland is at the moment where we're all, you know, renting and things are very difficult. and We want our own houses, you know, in the suburbs. And it's just kind of an ingrained thing and part of our culture. This is largely because of this. So I feel it's important to mention. Yeah, I mean, look, we've been fighting the British for a long, long time now to, to get to where we are today. And uh, it's good, at least, that movies are bringing it out to a wider audience. That is, and it, 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 the main thing I kind of did like about this film quite a lot was it dealt with that in Ireland. And like, you see it like later on where they burn down the... Um, the landlord's home, yeah. The landlord's home, basically, as well, and they kind of stand up to it. That didn't really happen as much then. If That was more of a later thing about burning the, the great stately homes of Ireland, but about a million miles off. Yeah, I, it was moderate. It was fairly hysterically accurate. Yeah, I did check just there, and it actually was Pauline McLean, but old Mrs. Yeah, Doyle. I just thought it. I just thought it did look very like her for a second. It just kind of caught my eye. Yeah, so we had as many Irish actresses and actors as you could get in one movie. Uh, I think they did. So another thing that I noticed that uh, we mentioned the other week, uh, you see, at one point, I think when Tom Cruise is heading off to kill the landlord, I think he he like camps in a dolmen. So at some point, he must have been. On or near the burn. Yeah, it did look a little bit like it actually. Um, he was hardly up like the Giants' Causeway, I would have thought. So maybe it was, that was close. And uh, I think <laughs> we do have to talk about uh, what I'm going to call the elephant in the room, which is that really weird scene where Nicole Kidman takes a look at Tom Cruise's dick. As you do. Yeah, like there's a, there, well, there's a lot of this in the film, like the old sexual tension, like, you know, it's like he's peeking at her when she's getting changed and she's like, has a thing for his arse. But like, that is a little bit, you know, obviously like the, the time of when it's set, it, that's kind of fine. But like, it's even when this film was put out in 92, but now it's like, that's a little bit uncomfortable. Like looking at someone naked while they're passed out is not really okay yeah i mean so, so yeah so tom cruise so this film hasn't aged very well yeah i mean so just to give a bit of context to it so tom cruise heads off to try to kill the landlord for burning down his house and whatnot and so he waits too long and he sleeps in the barn anyway uh to catch him the next day uh but for some reason uh which i thought was a bit of an inconsistency or an error uh nicole kidman had been out uh riding her horse although somehow didn't wake tom cruise up when she came in to get the horse but did on the way back, and uh, so she yeah, catches well, him in like there. Yeah, I he was conked out, but anyway. Yeah, so she catches him in there, stabs him in the leg with a pitchfork, which uh, very soon after is uh, completely washed over, even though it seemed like a pretty bad injury. You might have a limp for a, a good while. It did. Especially if in a boxing career. 
But uh, yeah, so he comes out then and tries to shoot, but the gun is shitty and old, and so it just explodes in his face. But like he has an old musket that the other elf like gives him from like this barrel from his burnt down house. So it's like literally assembles it and it just blows up in his face. Like his a musket like that, that's like even at the time was probably about 50, 60 years at least old, if not older. I mean, I think it's implied it's from like the United Irishman Rebellion, which would have been close to 100 years old at that point. So it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, the fact from what I know of those old uh, muskets, the fact that he isn't blind and has no fingers is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it, it is. But uh, there's something else that they that basically knocks him out and then he's in the thing and then the, the mother's like, we had to keep him alive so he can hear the his neck break when they hang him, which is a lovely little line. Yeah. Uh, so like, they spit in the bed and then she, the mother like, look away if you're digging and she puts like the little chamber pot over his, his lad and then she, she takes a peek when the mother's out of the room. Yeah, I did read some trivia on that, that uh, uh, they were trying to get the reaction from uh, Nicole Kidman of of looking at us, but it wasn't working right. So they actually got Tom Cruise to take off his, his underwear without Nicole knowing about it. Oh, right. <laughs> Wait, weren't they married at this point? Of course, just, but at, uh, at the same time, like, you're not uh, expecting... It's not going to be a surprise. To, I'm sure she's seen it before, Stu. Yeah, but like, it, if she hadn't at that point, I'd be concerned. I, I think it's more the, uh, the not expecting to see a dick and then seeing one is yeah. probably the uh, the point there. But they got the surprised expression they wanted, and that was the one that went into the film. Um, there's another interesting thing I'll I, I just briefly mention where he himself and the manager they have a duel together. Like, you know, they get the old pistols out and they take their 15 paces and turn around. Yeah. And then, like, it, Shannon comes in, like, and they run off together. Little, little, little tidbits, too. The main rules for dueling were actually formalized in Ireland. Oh. In about 1877, so not too long before this. So. It's the whole thing with having like your second and the pistols have to be the same. You get to pick and all how, how it works and all that. It was kind of illegal at this point, but there were kind of, you know what I mean? Well, look, he's a landlord. He's <laughs> not going to get caught. Yeah, it's like, it's like a que- questionable legality, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. But um, nicely, the kind of standardized rules for, I suppose, what we would see like as a Jew and war actually standardized in Ireland. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There wasn't much else in Ireland that kind of caught my attention. Obviously, like the, the set dressings were amazing. It all looked very realistic uh, i like the bit where like he goes to the other pub and then the landlord comes in is like buying everyone whiskey and he realizes it's him that did feel fairly genuine like as they're drinking like you know just kind of what i assume is porter and whiskey which is really all the pub at the time would have yeah and the nosy bar flies which you'd still get today some places just kind of like where are you from now and i think it just goes like yeah, the landlord like his, his character like his, the actor how, how good he was but he's he does come across like very warm in that scene and like he's even tom realizes who he uh, Joseph's guard realizes who he is and has to go off and kill him. Like he just sees him like walking home, absolutely polluted with the horse, like pissing on the tree yeah. and like, looking up as like I must apologize to my ancestors. They're probably laughing at me now, ashamed of me, and, like, <laughs> and just like going up singing and all that. That that was that did kind of you, know, you definitely you definitely had like some memories of like maybe coming home from town or something, seeing like a now drunk fella just doing that kind of thing. So yeah, I thought that was quite good. Yeah, for, like for that fella, like someone who isn't Irish, he definitely. Played like the old drunk Irishman quite well. Oh, I'm sure uh, he had <laughs> enough practice if he was staying in Ireland for a while, got to see it for first hand. Yeah. So, well, I think that's it. I mean, I suppose when they get to America now, I, I think this is interesting actually, Rob, I, I, I spotted one more thing in my notes. Um, yeah. Which gives a bit more insight is that uh, Tom Cruise's character can't read, which uh, w- oh, was incredibly. Com- yeah, remember, because uh, Nicole Kidman is showing him. Uh, leaflet that says land in america so it's like telling uh that, oh you know, you get yeah because yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was prevalent in ireland up until the 20th century really that's a fair point i didn't even really think about that i suppose you don't which is the funny thing yeah but, but it just yeah you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have been really thought of a reader right yeah it was just a it, it it was a big thing for quite some time i know that uh we both looked at uh, census records from the past and uh for quite some time they actually had a category of could you read and write? Yeah. And uh, it was a big thing for Ireland back in the day. And people just weren't educated that way. So I, I think kind of like, like they did go to America and like they originally going to like part ways, but then like um, your one that was off with Shannon on the boat, like robs all her silver and then gets like shot as soon as he gets back to America. So then she has to go off with Joseph and like live with him because there's no other option to get in with the, the bare knuckle boxing. But it was kind of interesting that like the Joseph has this actually a pretty good line. He goes, I think I like this America. 
And then she's like, why? And he goes, you've only been here a day. And he goes, yeah, and that one day um, I have a room, been offered a job, and they're even like giving away land. And it's just like, it's incredible. And it, it is kind of a fair thing is like, you can see why Irish people would go to America at the time, because look at what they were facing back home there. And like, as you said there, he's been offered a job. He's, he's getting money. He has a room, uh, roof over his head. And they're literally giving away land in some parts. So it's, it, it genuinely is an interesting little thing to see about understanding the Irish experience of going over there and how it would have looked to people. So I thought that was a nice little thing. Yeah, we get to see some good stuff when they actually go to uh, America. I mean, it is the part of the movie that I would cut for the most part. But at the same time, um, there is a lot the of... The first, like, 20 minutes of it are fine. Yes, you, you like the, but after that, Jesus, cut it down. It's interesting because they do show a lot of the the American reaction to Irish immigrants, yeah. which is something that we of course want to talk about here. Uh, that you know they were really looked down on. I know later on in the movie, uh, he's trying to, when they're poor and wandering out homeless, he, he tries to help someone. It's like we don't hire Irish. Was his response? Yeah, it's like that's the way it was for us when we started there. And yeah. work our way up through various methods, good and ill. That, that's it. But it's like even at the time, we still face a lot of discrimination in America in certain parts, and it, it is touched on in this film. So even though Chandler comes from a posher family and all that, she's still doing the same job, like working in the chicken factory as him, and she becomes like a belly dancer or what have you, flapper girl. Yeah. But even though she's like upper class compared to to, to him, um. The Americans don't see that anymore. They don't see any differentiation. There's two patties, two mix to them. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And yeah, so kind of it stretches out a bit here with just seeing them kind of trying to get their lives together. I think the next big thing that happens would be when Tom Cruise decides that he wants to start boxing himself. Like, I'll just talk briefly about this because I, I mentioned this too. I, I had something I'd like to talk about this and it was, um, I like this for two reasons because it, it does kind of go into what a lot of Irish people did do when they went over there because like you know, the, the fighting Irish and all that but we had you know boxing and you know wrestling as well like the, the old you know collar and elbow wrestling and, and they got, got involved in that and it was like a lot of working class people would do these bare knuckle fights to make money and it kind of built up and you, you get to making boxing a very big thing here and in particular where he has a very big fight he's, he's against the, the Italian fella um, and it's like kind of a big thing um, it, it is interesting because even there's actually a bit where I think you hear where he first goes to the, the room he's brought there by Calamini's character and you actually hear Calamini in the background saying oh there's like these Italians are coming over here and taking jobs in our area that we should be taking and it kind of gets in the whole Irish versus Italian thing in like working class areas, particularly in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, all that, and Chicago as well. Um, it, it kind of is, is right to something. But when he has the big boxing fight and they, against the Italian fans, it's very Ireland versus Italy, and they have like all the different flags and everything else there, and they're cheering on their own guy. You can kind of see that there's something to it with drawing a crowd and everything else. And so there was a particular group of people who did come from Ireland and became boxing promoters in the US and kind of saw this as like, eh, if I get like a big Irish fella versus a big Italian fella, it's going to get a big crowd and a lot of people are going to bet on it. We can charging a couple, like a pound in or you know, a dollar in and make a bit of money. Who would they be now? Who should they build stars around it? Well, they came from Clare's too and they were called the McMahon family. Oh, interesting. And then eventually, and then eventually, they started off in boxing, but then there was this idea of, oh, this wrestling is taking off quite well. It was, it was legitimate at the time until a bunch of fellas got together and was like, well, what if we sort of predetermine the results of this wrestling match so we can make it more entertaining because we know who's going to win the, the third fall like, and who's going to win and be a champion. But if we know what the actual result is, we can like, spice it up a bit. And then eventually like, the McMahon family got in there. Robert McMahon, I think, is what it was. And eventually it went down to his uh, grandson, Vincent K. McMahon. And then eventually it went down to uh, Vince McMahon now. And so that's actually how a lot of wrestling actually took off from this. With the Colomini's character, I think his name was Kelly, uh, you kind of see yeah. how how much being in America has changed him. Because at one point, doesn't he, he he's kind of arguing with... Tom Cruise, and he actually calls him a Mick. That's a point I've actually noticed. Like he actually, he is like Irish, but he's become more American. The fact that he'd actually use a slur against, yeah, whatever his own people, like, and it is like he's a, and it, it, I, like, I think that kind of is like he's only really saying it maybe because he thinks he's an American. Yeah, whatever like, organized he's crime American. he's been involved in has kind of yeah. warped him into someone who hates his own kind. 
in a way. Well, I mean, that's what he does. Like, after he loses the fight, like, is he, like, he's trying to go off with, like, Shannon, like, during the middle of the, the big fight, like, and it distracts, like, um, Joseph. And he's, like, getting thrown back in, and he gets the shit picked, you know, and he throws him out of the bar, and, like, unfortunately has him evicted, the two of them, and then, like, you can never give him a rumour again or I'll lock it up. And like gives him a big butt punch and doesn't fuck off like you're banished from here. Yeah, but the it's like the, the part of that scene way overboard with the that. part of that scene that really highlights who he is is that the, the police are walking down the road towards them and he just like get out of here and they wander off like yeah. Which is just it shows well, the power he has. Like, with the the politicians and everything else, it's just um the kind of way it is and it, I, I suppose to kind of talk a bit more about about this, um if you look at how particularly the Democratic Party in, in New York, you know, Tammy Hall is what it was called. They got in there with the Italians, like particularly the Irish. Like they said, you know, you gotta you gotta like support the Democrats here because we're gonna help you guys out. And it's like how the whole thing of like, you know how like the Irish kind of cop in America is almost like kind of a synonymous thing like in New York. Yeah. It was kind of how they did like I'll get you a job in the police force, like I'll help you get like legitimate jobs. Like you work for me and like do slightly underhanded tactics to make sure our guys get in there because you know they're Catholic, they're they're kind of you know second generation Irish American and like build up their thing there. And that was kind of how they did it. So doing these kind of unscrupulous tactics, like having the the city councilman come down there and like get the fight and gonna get paid off and everything and threatening people, that's kind of how it works. That, and that's how you end up with like JFK as president in, in, in kind of a way. If it wasn't for those underhanded tactics, you wouldn't have had that kind of ascendancy because, you know, the whole the, the whole wasp, you know, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, the Eastern elites, as they call them in like New York, would really look down because they were descended from English people or in some parts, German Lutherans or whatever, um, were very anti-Catholic in particular. There, there was quite a wave of anti-Catholicism that went across America, in particularly in the 19th century. Um, but like the know nothing party, but we won't go into that too much. But I think it does portray in this film that whole aspect of getting into the kind of working class, recent Irish kind of immigrants there, and using that to kind of build a political base. It kind of touches on that a little bit. I would have liked it maybe to be expanded on a little bit more, but I get that's not what the film is about. But it's still an interesting thing to see that. Yeah, you you mentioned kind of religion in there as well, and that's something that I I saw online. People were discussing about the movie is that it really doesn't delve into the fact that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's characters would have been like Catholic and Protestant. religions, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. And that... That is something actually that I did note as well because it's not dealt with because it's even a point where um, Joseph says that his, his stripper girlfriend um, or sorry, his dancing girlfriend I don't want to say she's... Or less dancer, I believe. That she is. Yeah, for less dancer. She, um, Lily or whatever her name was Grace, Grace. He says, well, I see you in, in church in the morning. It's like, oh, let's, we'll share a pew and stuff like that. And it's like, and she kind of just reacts very kind of negatively to that. It's like, yeah, because you wouldn't be going with him at all because you, you're like, you can't step foot in each other's churches because you've kicked out of your respective religion. So Yeah, it's it's an odd thing. And obviously they did it, but they did it because they didn't want to have to deal with it. But, but in a realistic it's kind of sense, one of those things where you'd really would have to deal with it because I mean, I think it's mentioned at yeah. one very specific point and never again where they first meet uh, yeah. Colomini in the, the boxing hall where Tom whispers to her, It's like, these are all you know, Irish Catholics. If they knew you were a Protestant, you'd be done for, or something along those lines. Very paraphrasing there because I can't remember what the quote was. Yeah. No, it's something, I'm going to think of it, he did say that, and I'm just like, yeah, and I, I suppose, like, it's, maybe they didn't, it was kind of too much to deal with, if it made the film any longer, fair enough, cut it out, but I suppose from, like, an Irish perspective, just like this podcast is for us, um, not kind of addressing it properly at all is a bit weird, as it would have been more significant at the time. Yeah, especially, like, that would have caused a lot of tension for the movie that they kind of had in other ways that made less sense. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is the whole, in, in effect, the whole lady and the tramp kind of story. You know, he's like the rough guy from the, the wrong side of the tracks and he's and she's like the, the kind of more upper class rich girl. And oh, can they possibly overcome their differences in order to romantically get off at the end of the film? Oh, they did. So, um, but I, I think religion would have played a bigger part, particularly at the time this was set. That was still a very big issue and even kind of what I was talking about there in terms of like New York and Tammy Hall and all that. 
Yeah, because it was, because like the, the politicians who were like dealing with the limited upper class Protestants wouldn't have been anywhere near uh, dealing with Catholics like that. And really strong anti-Catholic bias that was in America up until even when Kennedy was becoming um, president. They were still like, oh, he's going to be listening to the Pope and everything else. Right then with, with Joe Biden running for president who is a Catholic, you're not getting that as much anymore. Oh, definitely. Um, which is which very is different now. Yeah, but... Or, I, I think by the time you people are listening to this, they'll probably know who the next president is, I'd say. But yeah, let's, let's just cover both eventualities. Too. <laughs> no, we're <laughs> not. <laughs> All right, so we'll jump forward a bit, I think. Uh, so, as we said, they get tossed out by Kelly and uh, they're running around poor with nowhere to live. And uh, so they break into a place and kind of have their first kiss. And uh, then jarringly, uh, uh, the people come back and Nicole Kidman gets shot. Yeah, which is just like a hard, whoa, wait a minute. Like, Jesus Christ, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, so he he brings her to the parents' house, wherever they're staying, and then he, he wanders off. Yeah, because he she has been like secretly corresponding with the father back in Ireland, and he mentions to the mother just before the house kind of gets burned down. So eventually like, he sends the, the young, the land agent guy over to try and find her along with them, and he's obviously they're kind of trying to set her up to marry him and all that so they they do and he knows that he has comes across him at one point and he just brings it back and yeah he's like all right you take care of it. i'm off anyway i'm gonna work on the railroad all the live long day uh, but rob the funny part about that is that we get tom cruise's famous running scene oh you know yeah. in all his movies he has to just have this one full tilt sprint yeah well he's he's he sure is something yeah um yeah see this is like uh, even before this i think the part where they get evicted and like our homeless this is really when the film just dives off a cliff for me like this is the part where it's like it's been moderately interesting up until this point there's always like things you can look at but this is really just where it's like you know that wasn't the fireworks that was me doing that this time but uh it was just the absolute slope to get through at this point it just goes down to a glacial pace and it's just so this part took me the longest to, to watch like the, the last kind of 40 minutes from this point. I know I said it earlier, but just absolute torture to watch this. It was so, I had to just keep stopping it, going off, getting a cup of tea, like and coming back. And it was just like, oh, it's still there. Yeah. And then eventually it's put it on two times speed. And it was just like, fine, let's just get through this because I'm not sitting here for like another half an hour. But by the end of it, I was just like exhausted with it, bored. And I was just like, Oh, he's he's dead. I bet he's gonna come back like his father. Oh, he did. And then it's like, and they live happy ever after. And they got the land, and it's like, yeah. Well, that was really worth two hours of my life, or however long it took me to watch that. Yeah. Like if they, if he just genuinely had stayed dead at the end, I would have been like, okay, at least you kind of did something interesting there. Fine. Yeah. Like if Joseph had actually died at the end, I would have. I probably honestly, if Joseph had died at the end of this film. I probably would give it a slightly better review. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just... I'm going to be brutally honest. It kind of happens. I mean, if they had cut out a, a lot of stuff and even just had, like, a single scene of them, like, living on the on their farm or whatever or something like that, it might have been better. But, yeah, it, it just yeah, kind like of... It, it, it I, runs, I, it, I'd be all right with a flash-forward scene. Yeah. I really, really would. It just kind of limps to like, the end. What I would have liked... What I'd like to like, at the end is, like, oh, they get there and they, they put down the post, like, and... I'll talk about the little land thing actually because it's a little bit interesting as well. It's not really Irish, but it's I find it. Um, you know, like the the end scene was just like they're back in like the, the pub in the village, and then like um, I, I would have loved if it's like Joseph that just comes back and he's just like, and I'll buy like everyone here whiskey on me, kind of emulating the scene where he goes in with the landlord. I something like that would have been nice. And then he's like, oh, tell us about America, and like me buys the land that his father's house was in, like. As if that's actually the ending of it, but no, I, you know what, what? What do I know? I don't it? think uh, he'd ever be going back to Ireland now. But, uh, Probably not. The um, one part to talk just just before you sorry, just before you get into the actual land run itself. Uh, weird, almost comedic bit where he buys a horse, goes in for a drink, and comes out, and the horse is dead. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of Back to the Future Three a little bit. Um, doesn't the same thing kind of happen? Possibly. No, I can't remember myself, but uh, it would. Uh, not surprise me, considering that uh, in the trivia, I'll read out a, a few more bits at the end. Uh, the dress that uh, Nicole is looking at in the window in Boston is actually one of the dresses worn in Back to the Future 3. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. So obviously they just had the prop That's, around and threw it on. Well, they would have shot that about, about the same. No, it was 89, I think that. Uh, I have it up here. It was uh, 1990, oh. so it would have been released two years two earlier. Two years before it came out, but they probably... 
Well, they would have shot the film like probably around 1990, 1991. Like yeah, but it's just that they, they would have had like the the props and costumes still there, so they just threw it in. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so, anyway, then he uh, he buys the uh, the unbroken horse, and uh, just before the race starts to finally get the horse to do what he wants, he punches it in the head. Don't do that to a horse. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Like we, oh, like I've been, we've been around horses a little bit, and then because we've talked before, like don't do that to horses, treat them nicely, and they'll be nice to you. Anyway, go on with the the land race. Yeah, this is this is kind of interesting because it, it, it first it's it's more or less true. Like this whole thing about just being given away land and like they're racing for it and all that. This did actually happen. Um, it is the land run of 1893, and it was down in Oklahoma. So in a nutshell, um, this, Oklahoma wasn't a state at this point; it was a territory. So it was kind of like. Um, didn't have like, the formal things that the state would have, so it was like the central, like the government in Washington was kind of controlling it directly. They kind of appointed a governor down there who would like keep an eye on things, but it was a territory in that purpose because there were still like a lot of Native Americans that were living yeah. there. Uh, it was mostly the Cherokee uh, nation, that's where their land was being taken off of. It was basically, oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you guys are enjoying this land. I know we, we kind of pushed you onto this a little bit on because uh, we, we, we said, Oh, those are states now, those are our land. But we'd like to take uh, the land you're on now and put you onto a reservation, and we're going to sell the land and have people race here to, to get it. Um, of course, Cherokee didn't really have a choice at this point, and considering what the American government had done in the last hundred years to, you know, the Sioux people in particular, the Apaches, the yeah. Apaches, it was, you know, not not exactly uh, they, like they had a choice there, Stu. Although, um, as you might, as you may know, a couple of months back in the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, they actually ruled that the treaty that the Cherokee people in Oklahoma had signed with the U.S. was in fact binding, and the Cherokees now own about half the state of Oklahoma. Oh, that's good. So in the end, it, it did it did kind of work out for them. It just took another hundred years. Plus. Yeah, just part of the trivia as well. There it says that uh, three of Ron Howard's great grandparents actually rode in the Great Land Rush. I wouldn't be surprised. So, but I mean, in in a nutshell, it basically was um, it was about three million acres or something like that. Right? and it was pretty much. Right, it's here. We need to get people to settle here. Good, good white people, of course, uh, to settle here and do, and do what they will and set up farms so we can tax them and things like that. So it literally was a race. You would start off whatever, pay, pay your little bit of juice at the start and literally put down a thing to claim whatever area you wanted. So it, it's actually a thing that the, the, the uh, fella does who, work, who works for Shannon's family. He like illegally goes ahead and kind of skulks out the land that would have been kind of a no-no. You, you weren't supposed to to, to really uh, start pre-survey the land. If you yeah, know. but then Shannon's parents fucking go out and just pretend that they raced. Yeah. Which probably would have gotten them shot, really. But Yeah, so, I mean, that was... I mean, we're massively simplifying this here. Do, do look it up. But, of course, the Native Americans cut the short end of a stick again. <laughs> um, but... Uh, they have it back now. Like, hopefully that works out. I mean, I, I, I think I said before, I've gone drinking with Native Americans um, in, in Dublin. Very nice people, very generous. I got them a bunch of drinks because of the, the Cherokee shot up people's donation during the Irish famine. And I explained that story to them. Yeah. And they're like, it's a different tribe. And I was like, I know it's a different tribe. I, you know, I know you're not all the same. But I was like, I'll still buy you a few drinks. It's like us repaying that debt. And just like we did during COVID now as well, we, um, as we said before in this podcast, uh, we, were, we, were, we were paying into, I think, the Cherokees and, and a few other uh, nations who were suffering quite bad from COVID. We just donated uh, 3 million euros to them because it was the right thing to do we don't we don't forget so i think that just about do it but i found one piece of uh, trivia before we wrap it up that uh, i didn't notice myself in the movie there's a very special uh, thanks in the end credits and that thanks is for fungi the dolphin oh my god now i don't remember seeing a dolphin in the movie but we've been down in dingle i guess yeah, maybe he was there. Unless they had some establishing shot of different things and I, I missed it, but he's he's immortalised in film, apparently. <laughs> Inappropriate in the... Just after he's been, but presumed dead. At the, yeah, still missing, point. unfortunately. Uh, for about two weeks now. It's, uh, it's not looking good. He's on all the milk cartons we'll, uh, and everything. Have you seen this dolphin? It's, it's a, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll provide weekly updates on the status of fungi. If we have to... Like, as soon as uh, we're allowed to go to other counties, do I mean, we'll just be straight down to Dingle, get the boat out, and we'll be... We'll find him. Hopefully. Uh, so I think that'll about do it. Uh, next week, I think we'll do something uh, a little nicer for us and a lot shorter. So we might do oh, the third and fourth episodes of Father Ted. Brilliant. Just to give us a little palate cleanser from far and away. Yeah, I think. Oh, sorry, we didn't give our ratings. Uh, crack a shite. Oh, yeah, definitely crack a shite. If they didn't, if, if, 
the listeners didn't know that we thought it was crock of shite by now. Yeah, but just to, just I just want to be very clear to people. It's a crock of shite. I would not recommend this film. Like I said, it's not a terrible film. It has some nice moments in it, I guess, but it's just a boring film. And it's, like I said, it's meritocracy is the worst thing a film can have because it's just, you know, boring. Yeah. It, it took me four hours to watch this film. I had to like speed it up. It kind of gives you an idea of how difficult it was to watch. I think out of everything we've watched on this podcast, this was probably the hardest thing to watch in, in the sense that it was, you know, just so dragging. Like I watched technically worse films because the production quality was worse and they had less semblance of a plot, but this was the worst thing overall to watch. Yeah, I mean, we've we've laid it down for the last however long, hour at least, that uh, it's a poor film. We'll wrap up now because we're going to watch uh, Ireland and France in the rugby in the Six Nations and hopefully Ireland will win. Yeah, we better get the bonus be a, point. A good, a good one there. Um, so, I suppose... Crack a shite and crack a shite from, from the two of us anyway. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for listening anyway, guys. We do appreciate it as always. Um, if you have any feedback you'd like to give us, um, we, once again, we know we're doing this remotely at the moment. So if there's issues with the sound quality, we're sorry. We're doing the best we can here. We do apologize for the fireworks that were in the background on my side. Can't really do anything about that just because of, you know, it's Halloween in Ireland, just the way things are. Um, so hopefully that's not too disruptive. Um, so we'll see but uh, do appreciate any feedback you guys have if there's any suggestions you'd like us to do any movies TV shows you know any anything else like that I don't know if there's any other media forms where I'm working on a video game one as well but that's um, we're going to have to try and stretch that to <laughs> a little bit longer it's a little bit thin I won't lie to you so we might get that done at some point maybe combined with something else but we'll, we'll see but uh, you can reach us at uh, BlarneyPod at, uh, on Twitter and you can email us at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. Um, but for me, it's goodbye. Sloan, and we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.